Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode number 16 of the J Money Talks podcast, and we are ready to go. Now, it is Halloween time we're recording this, and as you can see, I am dressed up as someone. On YouTube, you already know who I am, probably can tell who I am by the mask and the clothing. If you're watching this on SoundCloud, the voice might sound muffled because I am wearing a mask. It's a costume, so stuff might be mumbled, might have a hard time talking, you might not be able to hear me. But a, I'm gonna let SoundCloud, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you can guess. YouTube, you already know this. So if you're on, if you go to SoundCloud, you can put an answer for them. But for y'all, we'll give you guys a f- couple seconds. I'm gonna let you guys marinate in. Guess who I am. I'll give you a second. Alright, so who I am dressed as. I am the leader of elite of the Shirai Ryu clan of ninjas. I am the Grandmaster. I was born as Hanzo Hisashi. Sanji, I was murdered by my whole clan was murdered by the Lin Kuei clan of assassins with one of those ninja, one of those assassins end up killing my wife and son, a ninja by the name of Sub-Zero. And also killed me. And thanks to by the dark magic of Quan Chi, I was revived as a revenant in the Never Realm, known as Scorpion. So, I'm prepared for war. I'm ready to fight anybody who wants to piss me off. And if anything pisses me off, I'm ready to slice you up, put you to class, and kick your ass, and put it in the grass. And I will send you to the next realm of life, which is called the damn Never Realm, bitch. So, let's get started with this week's episode of the podcast. And, hmm, we have a good chunk of stuff to talk about. Um, no, I think we're going to just take this mask off, honestly, because I'm thinking we try talking this, talking about this stuff with the mask on, it will be tough to do. Alright, I think it sounds better now that the mask is off. Let's move this. Oh, sir. Uh, okay, I think you can hear me better now. Or has the mic as is. So, we might have to turn this up a little bit. Just a little bit. Alright, let's see if this is better. I think it is. Okay, so, we got a lot to cover here, ladies and gentlemen. We uh, are going to talk, I think we can talk about one of the biggest things this week. In terms of political politics slash, I think in terms of celebrities stepping in a role that is important, stepping into something that 
and do a pull-out on NCP. And this is something that I guess we'll talk about. And I think probably a, especially in terms of hip-hop. In the world of hip-hop, we had a, a legend. A man who is known in the hip-hop world. Lil Wayne talking with Trump. Now, I don't know much of what it was talking about. I The main thing I saw was on Twitter, it had him and Trump and a photo op together. And it said about him and Lil Wayne and Trump talking. And were talking about stuff and how to help the community and stuff. And it was a strange... It was something that happened and it was a big thing. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, including my friends, practically canceled Lil Wayne for pretty much, for you know, like it's like a how dare you talk to this man? Like what is wrong with you, like Wayne? And I can understand some people there, but I don't feel like that is cancelable as much. I mean, don't worry, I'm probably not not gonna listen to a lot of. Song Wayne's on this much. I mean, it feels different. I personally believe it's like the music. I say in terms of like the music. Wayne, in terms of as a musician, Lil Wayne is probably one of the best of all time. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of him as a person, yeah, it does. I don't want to look at Wayne like I don't look at Wayne like a lot of people look at Wayne like as this idol like this great man I respect him as a musician I don't know much about him as a person in terms of like his politics and my thing is I don't follow like that celebrity culture I don't follow that celebrity culture stuff I wouldn't like try to make follow a lot of celebrities like idols the closest well actually closest only well, one celebrity I know is I kind of fall like an idol is probably The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, mainly because I grew up as a fan of Rock. My family grew up as a fan of The Rock, and so I pretty much. And I mean that's that's the main thing. Let me make sure I don't hit this water bottle, and we'll probably get some more wet later. But one of the big things is, uh. The big thing about the Will Wayne thing is, I don't think any of his stuff would be cancelable. Cancelable. Maybe you want to cancel him. Am I going to still listen to his music? I think so. I don't know. Maybe after the election, I'll probably listen to his music. But other than that, I don't feel like there's anything that's cancelable enough for me to, like, break him off. So, I'm... I'm like, because it's nothing too crazy. It depends on what was said and how what he said in context. That might be where I'm going to question. And that's ESPN. We'll ignore that. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't question much about the whole Lil Wayne thing. Like the Lil Wayne thing is. Yeah, it does, uh, it is a, it is backlash, there is backlash, like some people actually, 
I think one thing is, does it help him out in the long form? It looks like, so the tweet is in question, just had a great meeting with Donald Trump, President of the United States. Besides what he's done so far with criminal form, his the platinum plan is going to give the community real, real ownership. He listened to what we had to say today and assured he will and get it can get it done. So it's about something called the Platinum Plan, and it's supposed to help give the community real ownership. I don't know much about this, so my thing is base five five. Oh, like one inch all in them. Okay, well, that's something new. That's something new. Anyway, besides the point, um, besides that, I... Now, that is something I kind of question. Now, I think that is something that is in question. Am I going to slam him on this? Not really. I mean, if he's signing with Trump, I mean, that's... I mean, I feel bad that Wayne's doing something like that. Is he going to get backlash? I completely believe he's going to get backlash for it. No doubt about it. I'm... I mean, I don't want to cancel anybody in terms of stuff like this. Especially peop, someone... If it's someone like... Because if it's someone like... Uh, Lil Wayne, it's... Lil Wayne is Wayne. Like, I don't think it's something that's worth, like... To me, I would I cancel him... In terms of him as a musician, not really, because him is a, now him is a actual person. Like outside of like his thing, like Tunchi and Weezy F and, and all that stuff, it is. I don't think that affects would affect him. Now I don't know much about my thing about celebrities is. I think most thing about celebrities is they live a different realm of possibility. Especially black celebrities. Some of them do talk about helping out the community and others be about it. If I, and I'm not saying Wayne doesn't do anything good for the community. He does some good stuff. I mean, some cases you have to like, I mean, some cases you gotta work with you gotta work with some. Sometimes you gotta work with the enemy. Just like a comp, bigger foe. And do I think I'm not gonna judge Wayne for it? I think it is fucked up. Is it something I'm gonna cancel his music for? Probably not. I probably won't listen to anything. I probably won't listen. To, no, listen to any music that has Wayne has Wayne featured. Which probably means I'm probably going to listen to that Jack Harlow What's Poppin' remix. I'm going to have to stop listening to it and start listening to, like, the real version. The regular version. So, that's what's, uh, that's what's bad about it. But other than that, I don't see a true reason why you gotta cancel the man. I don't think you really should cancel the man. Uh, unless he did some. Unless he's like truly like, like super mag all the way, then 
and then you got when I think we might have to cancel you, buddy. I'm like that one. I kind of have to cancel you because now you, you really there. So, but other than that, if you're just talking to the man, then hey, that's power to you. It's the difference between voting for someone and like, then to me, there's a difference. Like you're voted for Trump the first time, and you pretty much realize four years later you made your mistake. If you voted for him now, in 2020, and you're going to vote for him now, yeah, you're probably dumb to me. Like, literally, after four years, you realize he's not the man for a job. You're really still going to go for him, that ass? I mean, all power to you, all power to you. So, uh, me, whole the thing, I think I would cancel him for her. I don't want to cancel him for it. I would probably just, uh, I think for me, I'd probably just not listen to any, probably won't listen to much of my, because I don't listen to a lot of music during the week, only when I'm working out, and anytime I'm, when I'm just doing my actual job at work, I've been listening to, like, podcasts, especially, uh, Flagrant 2, especially the Flagrant 2 podcast, if you haven't watched that podcast, check it out, it is probably one of the best of all, one of the best podcasts out there right now. Just saying. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't think I would cancel um, Lil Wayne. I'm, but yeah, I think I would just temporarily just not listen to his music for a while. And then, who knows what happens after the election. Whoever wins, I guess you guys, I guess you can decide to go back to listen to his music or just you can not listen to it. It's you just have a choice. To me, uh, if you're choosing to boycott his music and pretty much denounce him from pretty much a huge part of your life, and hey, um, do what you want to do. But I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna fully cancel him because of just him having this conversation and pretty much being off on a follow up. It's. I mean, I'm not going to do it too much. So, alright. Moving on. We're going to move on now to probably another big controversy. To something, I guess, we can say is sort of like a controversy. Which I saw. And that was earlier this week. The MTV's Hip Hop Awards happened, I think, one weekend. And it says... And he said that... And it says that the, uh, that there is a case, okay, it's probably not in here now, but it looks like it's going to be a big one, I guess we'll go into one, so I guess we'll go into probably, I guess we'll talk about this. I guess we'll talk about what's been going on a lot, a lot, about a lot of the cases of, like, voter suppression that's been going on, and I think there's a lot, and there's been a lot of stuff. Now, there is actually one thing that just came out in Texas, uh, just this evening. It says here on Friday that the GOP of Texas has petitioned a federal court to reject over 100,000 ballots cast through curbside voting in Harris County, Texas. 
These efforts follow a October 22nd decision by the Supreme Court of Texas denying a GOP bid to shut down curbside voting, also known as drive-through voting. The petition, claim, the petition claims that drive-through voting is an illegal expansion of curbside voting. So here's what the facts are about this. It says here the Texas Supreme Court drew alarm detention Friday after directing Harris County to respond to a petition that seeks to invalidate more than 117 votes cast in drive-through lanes. The court's interest came as an unwelcome surprise to voting advocates and Harris County officials who were baking on a quick dismissal of the petition that was filed by two GOP candidates and a Republican member and a current seated Republican member of the Texas House. According to the Austin American Statesman. Statesman, it says here, according to Austin American Statesman, the petition filed by the state representative, by state representative Steve Toff, Republican from Woodlands, Texas, uh, a Republican representative from the Woodlands, Texas, GOP activists Stephen Hotze and two Republican candidates in Harris County argue that drive-through voting is an illegal expansion of curbside voting, which state law reserves for voters who have an illness or disability that could put them at risk if forced to enter a polling place. And it's that is a big thing. So earlier in the month, now this is something that happened earlier in the month, that a Houston appeals court dismissed the Texas Republican Party's lawsuit to seeking to limit curbside and drive-through voting in Harris County. It, it was something that, that was dismissed. Uh, this is something that happened earlier in the month where you're trying to stop this and dismiss, and try to limit this to probably fury fewer instead of expanding it. It says here is that Republicans are trying to throw out these. So what these drive-through polling places are it look they are pretty much it's the same thing as like regular polling places. The difference is you're just sitting in your car. They just pretty much pretty much they use a parking lot and you just park in a car, you do your polling place and you leave. To me, I'm surprised how is Kentucky not doing some of this stuff? That is actually some that sounds smart. Voting your card. That sounds like simple stuff like Kentucky. How have you not tried that? <laughs> that needs to be something. Instead of, if you don't want it, people staying in line, how about let us spend, let us drive our cars to a parking lot, let's fill out our votes there, and then we just turn them into you. Simple as that. We don't have to get out of a car. You can. You don't have to worry about long lines. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> This is saying America, we need to start doing some I think it needs to be a thing. <laughs> so Texas might be I have a good idea. So Texas had something in there. So according to Molly Hensley Clacy, who Well, this is a BuzzFeed news reporter, so this is probably this is tweets two tweets from her about this. That Republicans are trying to throw out 100,000 votes cast at driver and voting centers in Harris County. I went to one yesterday. Voters use the exact same voting equipment that is used in traditional polling places. The only difference is that they're sitting in cars. 
like again, what we said, it says a Harris County official told me they were surprised to find Republicans suing over the senders because the party had been consulted extensively in their conception and design. So, Republicans are suing these centers because are suing over these centers and these were people who in this party was consulted extensively on the concept and that design. You practically, so no offense to GOP of Texas, you kind of fucked yourself. <laughs> you pretty much fucked yourself. You made this happen. And people decided to use that system. <laughs> and now you're pretty much contradicting yourself and saying, Oh no, we got, wait, over 100,000 people are voting these things? Word? No, we gotta throw them out. We gotta get them out of here. No. Now, I say, do the Texas Supreme Court, yes. Do not let this, you let these ballots count. Because they're... Like, y'all made that system. And now you want to change the system with days before the election. Nah, y'all not, y'all not slick. Nah, Texas GOP, no offense, Texas GOP, y'all ain't slick. Uh, Miss Clancy uh, said here that the official told me, one of the officials told her that the drive-through centers have been especially helpful with parents with young kids. Parents told them it was so much easier to vote when the ch kids were buckled in and occupied in the back seat. Says here, another group the official said the driving centers had been helpful for disabled folks and older people who didn't walk well but still wanted to vote in person. These are kinds of voters for whom showing up on election day will be difficult if the ballots are thrown out. I ain't gonna lie, that actually is... That needs to be a thing, because I understand, if you are a parent, you have, like, young kids, or, like, three or four, here's the thing, it's hard for them to stay still for, like, five minutes, but let's be honest, those three, you have a three, four-year-old, they have a hard time staying down, or staying still, as is. Them being in the back of a car, and them just watching you just place your vote, being part of a political process, hey, that's teaching them early. And hey, you, they pretty much still, they're fine. They're in an air-conditioned car. They're pretty much playing with an iPad or something. They'll be, they, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and the thing with disabled folks and older people don't walk too much and can't, and want to still vote in person. I didn't say this. That is something good. That would be something my dad would probably would love, love to do. I'm just my dad's 71, and, I mean, he was, he's walking, he's fine, it just, but I think him, he would have loved something like this. If that was a system that was done here in Louisville, or something. So, this is, that's a big thing, a lot of journalists and legal experts weighed in on this. Um, uh, this is a big thing, is the federal judge, Texas Republicans have asked a federal judge throw out these 100,000 ballots. They drew Judge Andrew Hanen, who is one of the no most notoriously partisan Republican judges in the entire federal judiciary. 
So they got this one judge who probably could play a role in making this happen. It says here, Hainan has already scheduled an emergency meeting for Monday morning without even giving Harris County a chance to file any response brief. Which means there's a chance he's going to rush to fraud 100,000 possibly disproportionately Democratic votes. And it says here, Texas Republicans are deploying a theory recently endorsed by, it looks like state legislators endorsed by Thomas, Alito, Gorsh, and Kavanaugh. That only state legislators have a 40 over elections because the Harris County clerk implemented drive through voting. Republicans say all 100,000 ballots need to be tossed. It says here, there's actually another case here that two partisan federal judges are already trying to nullify thousands of Minnesota ballots under this radical theory here as well. So, uh, the journalist in question is Mark Joseph, Mark Joseph Stern, who is a staff writer for Slate. For Slate. And, for Slate.com. And this is this is scary. So this is actually a big this is big. If if it mean if a hundred thousand votes that are possibly possibly Democrat if this is something that is going to be, if that gets thrown away, that is something that could be catastrophic. That is, 100,000 votes is a huge difference. It can be a diff, huge difference. Because that could be the difference between who gets a county, which could affect a state, and can affect this whole national election. And if votes get thrown away, that is a question. That is going to be a challenge that needs needs some questions. Um, next, we actually have uh, Todd Schulte talking about uh, about Judge Hainan. Says Judge Hainan put a national wide injunction injunction on DAPA and expanded DACA in 2015. A monumental setback for millions. Chambers in the federal courthouse in Brownsville, Texas, a center. At center of zero tolerance family separation policy, he is expected to try to rule DACA itself illegal after election. And next, uh, we have Daniel Jacobson, who is a former Obama White House lawyer. I don't know. This is just his own views on this tweet from his about this whole situation. Some facts about this Harris County drive-through voting suit. It says here the Texas Secretary of State actually approved Harris County doing this months ago. Number two, it has been publicly posted for months that Harris County had would have this option and a plaintiff's way until after the votes are cast to challenge it. So, so one, you have the Texas Secretary of State who pretty much plays a role in how elections are done, approved of this action, approved of this concept, and this has been posted for months. And they pretty much made this a thing. And now 
the Texas G this GOP party wants to challenge us after vote over a hundred thousand votes have been made. That is low key. That is an actuality in all sense of the word. Actual. That is actual voter suppression. That. That's one case of voter suppression right there. Can someone confirm me on this one that that is possibly that is possibly voter suppression right there. And that's people in and that is people in actual the actual Republican Party Texas members of Republican Party in Texas, doing this exact same thing in a in a county that's planning on throwing a hundred thousand votes in us in one county that is that could play a role in this election. Who knows? That could be one of those swing counties or one of those swing states. You know, one of those things they talk about. That is a big thing. If if a if a hundred thousand of those are possibly Democratic votes. That could that plays a role in an election. Hundred votes votes is a lot. So that is definitely suppression. And if that is if that federal judge is going to throw that away, that needs to get that is something that has to be settled. I'm that is honestly ridiculous and mind boggling to me. I I can't. I I need. Ugh, that is. There's some stuff going on here. I don't know. I personally believe voting helps, but Jesus, we're gonna need it. I'm a. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. Uh, I think we'll probably uh, wash that power away with probably someone like say sports. Um, I think a little bit later we'll probably talk about the whole Kanye thing on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast earlier. And, uh, I think a couple other things. And, uh, yeah, we'll be right back, guys. Um, I need a... Yeah, I need a minute. Uh, you're watching J Money Talks Podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with episode number 16 of the J Money Talks Podcast. I'm your host, J Money, and we are... Back with some more information. We uh, we're back with position. I think we're gonna step away from that because that one got me in a way. I knew that was gonna be a tangent in and of itself, and I did not want to get into. So let's see if we can talk about. I think we're gonna talk a little bit about some sports, some uh, some deportes, just help out. Um, Oh, hold on a second. We I have something going on in a second. Alright. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with uh, episode number 16. Uh, if I had, had to take care of something real quick. Had to do a quick check. And, uh, yeah. What's going on is... Now, what is going on is we now I think we're gonna take a break for a minute. I'm on the whole 
stuff. I think we're going to take some time and talk about sports, especially college football. I think we're going to start with college football. Let's get started with number one. Let's get started with some college football. Uh, in college football, let's go with Texas, Oklahoma State. Big, big 12 battle between uh, a great Texas team taking on a top five, a top 10 team in Oklahoma State on the road. And we had an overtime thriller. Thriller down in Stillwater. Down Stillwater. Stillwater. It was. It started off as as a good old fashioned Big Twelve shootout as both teams started with came in as Ohio State struck Burt Ludd first with Spencer Sanders throwing an eleven yard touchdown pass to Tylen Wallace and Keontae Ingram run for Texas ends up answering back with a one yard run less than two minutes later and. But towards the end of the first quarter, Spencer Sanders again throws a five-yard pass to Landon, this time to Landon Wolf for a five-yard touchdown to give the give Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, a 14-7 lead. But the Lawners would answer back with a 41-yard bomb from Sam Ellinger to Brandon Eagles. From Brandon Eagles to tie it the game. And if another two minutes later, and a 20-yard field goal, which put him up 17 to 14. Moving forward, next, Spencer Sanders throws his first touchdown in the game as he throws it to Shubba Herbert Hubbard for a five-yard pass, and which put him up 24 to 21-17. And then a minute 49 left. Minute 49 left. Alex Hale for kicked a 31-yard field goal for. Four of the Cowboys put him up 24-17. And then and then we end up getting then we ended up having a having a having a Cameron Dicker 40-yard field goal from Texas. Three seconds left in the for in the half. And we go in halftime 24-20. Texas Cowboys lead 24-20. In the third quarter, we end up going. We end up getting with some action, we had Spencer Sanders again throwing his fourth touchdown pass in the game to Tylen Wallace again. This time for nine yards out and gives and it gives the Cowboys a 31 to 20 lead. But in a falling kickoff, a young man by the name of Deshaun Jameson decides to run it for a hundred for 100 yards to the house just to bring this to a one-score game. And Cameron Decker would line up for a PAT, and he ended up missing that, and he ends up missing it. <clears throat> so we might have a graduate from we might actually have a college graduate from New Nick Folk University. So maybe who knows? But let's it can't be that bad. So it but let's move on to the fourth quarter. This is where it gets interesting as as Texas down. 31 to 26. And four minutes, 27 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Sam Ellinger finds a way to finds his man Jake Smith for a 12-yard pass, and also 
and the Texas Longhorns pull out their Uno cards. Tell the Cowboys two for your mistake as Sam Ellinger connects with Cade Brewer for a two-point conversion to give him the lead, a 34-34 lead. And the Cowboys would take a chance to balance back and would kick a 34-yard field goal by Alex Hale again for a never score for a to kite up the game, and we head to bonus football overtime. Texas get the ball for got the ball first, and Sam Ellinger finds Joshua Moore for a 15-yard pass for a touchdown and extra point. Now, now we see. Now we see how would the now how would the now how would the Texas Longhorns handle this. Now, how would the Longhorns handle this? That's a big question. So, we start off first and 10 at Texas 25. Trevor Hurler runs for no gain. Second and 10. Eddie Brown ends up getting a first down for the Cowboys. 11 yard run. Puts him to the Texas 14. First and 10 now. Next play. And Oklahoma State ends up end up throwing a as penalty for an eligible downfield receiver downfield on the pass, which ends up being a first takes us to a first and fifteen. Sanders does run in for himself just for a yard to Texas eighteen yard line. Shahar runs again for four more yards to Texas fourteen. Now it's three and ten. Spencer Sanders runs for another two more yards to Texas twelve yard line. Texas takes one timeout. Takes a timeout to on his fourth and eight play. Last chance for the Cowboys. For the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And Spencer Sanders runs. And he ended up getting sacked by Joseph Osai for a 13-yard loss. And that would seal the game for the for them Longhorns as they ended up getting a sack and ends up winning it 41 to 34 and this is the first time in a long time that Malone Horns actually got a end up getting a W over over a top 10 team on the road on the road next let's see next big game on the college football schedule on the college football schedule. I think the next big one we'll get into this in a bit. I see the next one. I think we'll talk about the big Sunday night game, Saturday night game that was on, which was between Ohio State and Penn State. This one is a unique one. Let's see how this went down as we end up we headed to Happy Valley and we had Ohio State Go on a road to and say this is a big is a big game, and this one started off with with a with a on the first drive that on the very first drive here it believes it ends up being a touchdown as ends up being a quick touchdown as as a young man by the name of Garrett Wilson started off at Ohio State's twenty five and ran for sixty two yards to the Penn State's thirteen. For the first down, the next play, Master Teague, two plays later, Master Teague, he ends up running to take care of a rat. Last 14, 
last 13 yards and four of a score. And that would be a 7 nothing score for the, a quick 7 nothing two for Buckeyes to start off the game. As how did Penn State go in this one? Penn State ended up going, ended up taking this ball. Decided to go for this ball. And they ended up turning it over on downs as on first down. As on first down, Sam, uh, Cl- Sean Clifford ended up passing, ended up getting a first down, uh, closer to first down, nine yards. Um, down. This one actually ended up, ended up turning over on downs. It started with a nine-yard pass completion from Sean Clifford to Pat Framuth. And then Devin Ford ran for three yards for Penn State to the Penn State 37 for a first down. Ohio State ended up taking their first time out early in the half, which is surprising. So something must have happened. Either that was an injury timeout or someone or Ohio State decided to take a timeout for reasons I'm not sure. So we have this question there. Next, Sean Clifford ends up running. Would end up running Four, end up running for five yards to the Penn State 42-yard line. And then Devin Ford ran once it ran for, ran for three yards to the Penn State 45. 32, Sam Clever tried to find a pass for Jahan Dotson, and it fell incomplete. And then instead of going, instead of going out and go ahead and take a punt field, Go ahead and take a punt. In the situation, they decide to go for it on fourth and two. And Penn State's 45. Sean Clifford goes up to pass, and he could not find his man incomplete, which ends up giving the Buckeyes that short, a great fit position. As Justin Fields ends up making a pass, makes his first pass to Garrett Wilson for five yards. Next, there was a ball start penalty, which made a second ten instead of a second five. Now it's a second ten. We're going to break down this whole thing. Situation here. I think we're going to break this down. We're going to break this down here. Um, Next. All right. Next play. Next, we had Justin Beals pass completed to Chris Olay for nine yards. But there was a, but he ended up having a little ball case of Butterfingers. But he ended up recovering the ball after the fumble. They for for in one Trey Sermon ends up remember by the name of Trey Sermon runs for three yards to the Penn State free free for first down three yard gain and next on the next play James Fields passes to Jameson Williams for a seven yard pass and then Justin Fields finds Chris Olave for a twenty six yard touchdown and that put the put him and it ended up putting. The Buckeyes on the board win with already with fourteen nothing. Even the first six minutes, within probably the first six minutes of this game, actually six minutes of the game, Penn State ends up taking a five minute fourteen second drive in a good chunk of this game of the first quarter. In the first quarter, uh, biggest thing biggest thing about this was 
was actually a personal foul penalty, which actually ended up saving a drive. Saving a drive for him. Ended up saving a drive. Saving a drive. Um, my personal foul penalty but caused by an Ohio State player, and we we're not shown, but it's not stated on here. So, which gave him a first down, chance at life. And then Penn State would actually start coming back, would start coming back. Big one. Sean Clearer finds Jahan Dawson for a 20 yard pass to Ohio State's 45 for a first down. And then Devin Fort ends up running another, ends up run, making a 24 yard run for another first down on the very next play. And then and Sean Clifford ends up running 10 yards to Ohio State's 11 for a first down, which ended up giving this team a great chance. Surprisingly, on 39, Penn State took a delay of game penalty, which moving back five yards, and then John Clifford ended up running, ended up running, only running for one yard, which set up a 31-yard field goal by Jake Penigar, which put Penn State on the board 13, to, but still down 14 to three. Now, let's say this. Now, last three minutes, Ohio State ended up was. Producing the ball with a 8-yard pass from Justin Fields to Clay Sotolave. Master Teague, the third rain, 21 yards total to get to the Penn State 46. 46. Justin Fields in a passing to, making a pass quickly to Jackson Stick Smith Najiba for 6 yards. And another Master Teague, the third run for 3 yards to Penn State's 47. And that ended the first quarter and the first play. Justin Fields pass completed two to for a 17 yard for a 20 yard pass to Penn State 17 for first down. And then there was another and there was a personal foul penalty for Penn State for Penn State at that and there, which was half a distance the goal, which gave Penn which gave added more to the end of the run. Now, this is, now the good thing is, on uh, four, now four, for Penn State, this is luckily for them, they end up doing two good things. One, went into a bend, but don't break offense as both, they stopped Trey Sermon for a four-yard run and a two-yard run, kept it at the free, Justin Fields end up getting incomplete pass to Garrett Wilson, and Blake Hubble sets up for a 20-yard field goal. And he missed the kick. He missed the field goal, which is actually surprising. After that, both teams end up sharing punts back and forth. Back and forth. And Ohio State end up scoring a touchdown off of a 15-play, 89-yard drive, for which took 6 minutes, 6 seconds total. So we're going to try to not... I don't know how much we're going to go through... So we have a the biggest thing is uh Justin Pat Justin Pat Fields passed through to Gary Wilson again, which ended up being incomplete. But there ends up being laundry in the field pass interference on the defense, which ended up giving them three yards for a first down, a first down for three yards, and then Trey Sermon ran for 15 yards on the very next play. It's next was a big plays were 
Justin Fields' pass completed to Luke Farrell for 16 yards for a first down. 16 yards. Next is Justin Fields' passing completed to Jameson Williams for a 16-yard pass for another first down. It's down. Garrett Wilson catching a Justin Fields and Garrett Wilson. This connection is, is a big thing here. This is actually a big connection. They end up this Jared what was it say the Fields Wilson connection connected once again on another first down for nine this time for nineteen yards to Penn State's twelve. Twelve and this one looks like it was going to be for a big it was going to be a bend but don't break. But for first and goal, there ended up being a at Penn State's one, the team ended up actually fumbling the ball and fumbled on Fumbled, ended up causing a fumble, but it was recovered by Justin Fields at Penn State's 14. So it, this time it's second goal, this time from Penn State's 14 now. And two plays later, Justin Fields connects with Jeremy Ruckert for a 10 yard pass from Justin Fields. And to Jeremy Ruckert for 10 yards. And that put the. Put the I got up 21 to free. 21 to free. And it ends with towards end. We end up having a Penn State punting. Or I'll say turnover on downs. And with probably the last possible second on the on the clock, Jordan Seattle kicked a 50-yard field goal last one second before halftime and nails it. Penn State is down 21 to 6 at the second half. Penn State ended up getting the ball to start off the second half and a big and the big thing was Sean Clifford passing to Pat Freymouth for an 18 yard completion for Penn State first down and and Sean Clifford ends up pass making another pass to Parker this time for parking Parker Washington for 20 yards for a first down to Ohio State's 39 yard line. We're not done yet. Sean Liver makes three straight passes, this time to Keandre Lambert-Smith for 12 yards to, for another first down, which is actually surprising. Is This is a big, he is, he threw, it looks like he threw four, this is how many passes he make. One, two, three, four straight. Two plays later, he threw four straight passes, this time to Sean Dodson for 11 yards to for another first down. At Halsey's 15, 15, and then on on second and nine at Halsey's 14, Sean Clifford to Sean Dotson again, this time for a touchdown. Five straight passes by Sean Clifford in order to score his touchdown, which ends up making this a which ended up making it a 21 to 13 game. Penn State is within. Is trying to keep catch back up to the Buckeyes, and this one was to be a big one. It would be a big one. All State on their next drive, on their first drive, we end up having a not a lot. There's actually not much, not much to say. Let's say it was involved mostly short runs, short runs and short passes. I can't talk about. I can't say. Much about this one, but Justin Fields 
on second and eight, eight minutes, 41 seconds in the game. Justin Fields from 49 yards to Chris Olavey. Olavey. Olave. I'm sorry, I butchered your name. For 49 yards, for another, for another Buckeyes touchdown. 28-13, Penn. 28-13. Yeah, later on in the third, after a, after a punt, Ohio State scored a, never scored a field goal from 22 yards by Dominic Macchio. Macchio, a big part of it was, part of it was, big portion of it was uh, Master Teague, the third run for 31 yards to Penn State's 40 on a 31, on a 31, on a 31, a 13-yard pass from Justin Fields to Jeremy Ruckard, a Justin Fields pass complete to Jake Hausman for 13 yards, for 13 yards. Yeah, that was big play. Those were big plays in that game. Next, now thanks to now, this is next. We end up having we have a big next. We actually have next. We have a Sean Clifford pass complete to Pat Freemouth for a 19-yard completion for a first down. And an Ohio State penalty end up tacking more yards to to the end of it for 15 yards, which gave him a first down at their 39-yard line. Next, and the first a two plays. We go 30 plays there, beginning the fourth quarter. First play for first play of the fourth quarter. Sean Pepper, Sean Clifford pass complete to John Hudson for 37 yards for. A first down, and then on the very next play, they go. They complete it with a Clifford Dotson once again for 21 yards for a score. And Sean Clifford ends up running the ball in for himself for a two-point conversion. Penn State down is now down is down 31 to 19. So I believe that the sale. So I'm assuming that. Uh, that the two-point version did not complete, so failed. So we're gonna move on there. Next, thirty-one nineteen. Um, thirty-one to nineteen. Penn State still down, t- down twelve, down twelve. Now let's see if it defense and hold. Net happens is first play, first play for the first play for. I'll stay in their next drive. Jared Justin Fields once again to Garrett Wilson for a 13 yard pass to for a first down. We're gonna go with the big ones. The big ones here. Justin Fields passing lead to Garrett Wilson for a 26 yard pass to Penn State's 34. Penn State's 34. Justin Fields four plays later. Four plays later on a fourth and one. Justin Fields finds Chris Olivier for 17 yards to Penn State's eight yard line. And the very next play, Master T- Justin Master Teague third end up running for end up run, trying to run two plays later. Master Teague third rushes to a one yard for a one yard touchdown on Penn State's one second and goal. 
And it ends up being a Genjutsu as it was in legal formation on Ohio State. So, no touchdown there. But free plays later, Justin Fields finds Jeremy Rucker for a one-year touchdown on a fourth and goal, which end up giving Buckeyes 38 to a 38-19 lead. 38-19 lead. And we end up having, we have, next we have, Next big thing that on his first first play, Sean Clifford to parking to parking Washington for 31 yards to Ohio State's 44 for the first down. First down, Sean Clifford to parking Washington again for 16 yards. This time for 16 yards to Ohio State's 26 for first down. Next, Sean Clifford ran runs it two plays later. Sean Clifford runs it, takes the ball to himself and runs. Two down, six, 15 for a first down. First down. Three plays later. Sean Clifford to Jahan Dotson again for a 20-yard touchdown. And they could not convert the two-point conversion. Conversion. Urgen. Six minutes in half. Six and a half minutes left in half. Oh, Penn State tries, tries to go for an onside kick. And it gets recovered by Ohio State. They take at least two minutes for eight seconds off on the clock to to on the clock. Yeah, they take six plays. Took six plays. Not they to run the clock. Penn State uses almost all uses all of their timeouts on that one drive, and it's on the one drive, and and they end up getting the ball back. Defense played well to hold them. Now Penn State trying at least. Try at least get two quick scores on the board and try at least at least your A go to take this game to overtime or B win the game itself. In the game itself. And the first play, Sean Cliff to Marcus Hooker. Sean Cliff grows back and he finds a man. But unfortunately, he plays for the other team. The pass gets intercepted by Marcus Hooker and it was returned. 31 yards to Penn State's 9, and that would be it for, and that would sadly be it. Ohio State wins in this top 25 Big Ten battle, 38-25, to 25, and once again, four touchdowns to, for Justin Fields. For Justin Fields, this is the second game, 318 yards, 28 out of 34, 318 yards, four touchdowns compared to Sean Clifford. John Clifford, and he threw for 18 out of 30 for 281 yards, three touchdowns, but to one pick. The biggest thing is Mar- Marcus T. Marcus T. the second, 23 carries, 110 yards. Master T. the third, 23 carries, 110 yards, one touchdown. And, of course, that was the biggest connection, biggest receiver of the game was probably Chris Alave with seven receptions, 120 yards, and two touchdowns for winning Ohio State. Jahan Dotson with eight receptions, 144 yards, and three touchdowns on his part. In this part, that is a game, which is quite interesting. The big thing is actually, there was 1,500 people at this game. 15 people, 1,500 people was at this game, and, and Abbey Valley only carries up to over 100,000, so that is got to be a surprising game, especially night time. 
especially during nighttime. So, so I think we'll talk about next Clemson playing their fairy, probably one of their first games without Trevor Lawrence as he got caught with COVID and. And it looked like surprisingly, Clemson somehow came out with looked like they must have had COVID themselves because they came out very, very flat in the very first half. As as Boston College struck early with a 11-yard pass from Phil Jerkovic to save Flowers for 11-yard touchdown for 11-yard touchdown, which put him up, which ended up striking first blood to the. Eagles of Boston College. Next, Travis Etienne, Etienne catches a free five-yard pass to freshman quarter, freshman quarterback filling in for for Clemson. DJ Uagali, Uagali. I probably I know I'm I know I'm probably butchered the fuck out of this name. But he ends up catching a 35-yard pass to <clears throat> which ends up tying to get that uh, Clemson freshman QB then DJ Ua Galele throws a 35-yard pass to Travis Etienne to tie up the game with less than, less than two minutes later or two minutes later and and then to uh, on the next drive, it next drive, David Bailey ends up for Boston College runs for two runs two yards for a score, which puts it which put gave Boston College the lead. Next, Clemson would drive down the field, would drive down the field on a first at the one yard line. One yard line. It looked like they were going to punch it in, tie the game up at fourteen apiece. But it they end up, but right, but somehow Clemson came into that one. Ray ended up accidentally caught themselves in some butterfingers and are having butterfingers. Football on the play returned by Brandon Sebastian for Boston College, and he runs this thing all the way to ninety-seven yards for the score, and. That is, and we might, are we have, are we at upside alert? Because they are up, Boston College is now up 21 to 7. About four minutes later, BJ, BT Potter for Clemson kicks a 33 yard field goal to bring it to 28, 21 to 10. Uh, we move on a layer on, layer on, CJ Lewis catches a first, 18 yard pass to field, Jerkovic, Jerkovic for a for an 18 yard pass, and Clemson and Boston College would be up net 28 to 18, 28 to 10 in this game. Uh, with one minute, two seconds left in the half, Clemson would drive down the field, and BT Potter would kick a 50 yard field goal to make it a 28 to 13 game at halftime. Then. And second half, somehow Dalvin probably woke them, got them woke woke up. They pretty much got 
gave them all emergency or something. And what happened next is here comes the high end talent of Clemson coming in. Coming in as a freshman quarterback, DJ Yugilele ends up running. Ferdy takes takes his ball to himself. Takes the ball himself and says, I got this. I'll run in for a 30 yard touchdown to bring us up, bring us down. Make this a two possession game. Make this a one possession game. Then Amari Rogers catches up eight yard pass to DJ Galele for a for a touchdown and made it a one score game. They tried to go for a two point conversion and failed. So but it gave but it does give but it gave Clemson Clemson down two. We entered fourth quarter. This is all Clemson the rest of this game. As Travis Indian takes the ball 17 yards for for the score, which put the gave the gave the gave the Tigers the lead 32 to 28. And as Pleasant College tried to find a way of bringing it back, minute 18 left in the game. Boston College trying at least find last chance for him to find a way to get a score, and somehow they end up. Someone should have told Boston College, College, you can't shoot any bullets when your gun is on safety. Two for your mistakes, dummy, and you guys, and two points to Clemson, and that is your ball game, folks. Clemson bounces back in the second half and wins. And come, pretty much had to come back to beat a somewhat game Boston College, Boston College squad. DJ Uigalele went free out of free 41, 442 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Etienne carries 20 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. And also him playing a big role in the receiving game with seven receptions, 140 yards, and one touchdown himself. As also as a result, Travis Etienne also becomes the ACC's all-time leading rusher. So congrats to Travis Etienne for that career achievement. For that career achievement. All right, big new. Let's see. Look at the rest of college football right now. I think we'll go into let's see the local ones. Let's see Cincinnati a big winner over Memphis, forty-nine to ten. Michigan State shocks Sparty 27-24. West Virginia upsetting Kansas State 37-10. Coastal Carolina, who was ranked 20 in the league, was picked to be rejected to be dead last. The Kansas City Chanticleers. Clears end up winning 51 and nothing. A shutout over Georgia State. Georgia State. Coastal Carolina still. Probably still undefeated, still undefeated, and still, still run, still ru- rules the roost in probably the Sun Belt in the Sun Belt. Roost in the Sun Belt. Iowa State being Kansas fifty-two to 22. 22. 52 to 22. 22. Notre Dame head went to Georgia Tech and beat them thirty-one to thirteen. Indiana with a Ranked first time probably a long, while. First time in my, might be a long time. They end up getting a 37-21 victory over Rutgers. 2-0, first time in Big Ten play since 1991. I say good dubs to them. Uh, they deserve, they deserve, that program deserves a chance to have a good season. Hope they do. Hope this momentum, this momentum. 
Ole Miss beat the absolute shit out of Vanderbilt 54 to 21 on that field. My God. Alabama making a mockery. Nick Saban decided to make a mockery out of Mike Gundy. Beats his ass 41 to nothing. And Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Texas AM beats Arkansas 42 to 31. Florida with a flat with a flashing over Missouri, 41-17. SMU take on Navy. Took on Navy in a game that was supposed to be earlier in the season, but was postponed to this point. SMU wins 51-37. Virginia upset over North Carolina, 44-41. Oklahoma beats Texas Tech, beat Texas Tech 62-28. A uh, big game that got canceled was number nine Wisconsin versus Nebraska got canceled because of the high rate of COVID nineteen tests in Wisconsin. So hopefully, I'm hoping this team can get, bounce back. That is a big thing there. You can think that is a big thing. Now let's get into the ranked game. Let's go into the local games here. Local games here first. First off, let's go. Let's start with the first game between Kentucky taking on Georgia in down at Kroger Field. Now, Kroger Field, Field, Georgia coming in as the favorites, favorites favored by 17 points. 17 points. How many points are scored in this game? 17 points exactly because because not because there was not much scoring. In this game, and not a lot of offense. This one is an ugly, was an ugly game on all accounts. But the biggest one is Georgia for pretty much scoring two touchdowns, and that's a good thing, which is something in of itself. As as Sam Bennett for Georgia quarterback threw nine out of thirteen, one hundred thirty-one yards, and threw two picks in this game. So. So Kentucky's defense end up stuffing them, only limiting to two scores. One for one, a two-yard run by Stetson Bennett himself, by Bennett himself, for a two-yard touchdown, and then Samir White running the ball for 22 yards. 22 yards. Matt Ruffalo end up getting a 34-yard field goal, which put him up seven to three. Seven to three. Most of this was all mostly punting. Punts was just punts, fumbles, interceptions, and just an ugly game on both sides. Neither team practically, it looked like neither team either A, wanted to play, or B. Now, one team at least found a way to look, came out, Looked like ready to play as Kentucky. This offense came out flat the most. They, uh, their quarterback, quarterback is, what's his name? Joey Gatewood, 6'5 soft, sophomore out of Jacksonville, Florida. Threw 15 out of 25 passes. Only got 91 yards total. Total. Average of 3.6 yards Per pass attempt, pass attempt. Kentucky's rush 
Rushing offense combined, 39 carries, 138 yards, which is an average of 3.5 yards per carry. The best was Chris Rodriguez Jr. Chris Rodriguez Jr., 5'11", sophomore out of McDonald, Georgia. Carried the ball 20 yards, ran for 108 yards, averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Longest was a 23-yard was a 23-yard carry. Uh, and a three-yard carry. Kentucky's defense, they didn't get much any sacks. They got one tackle for loss. They only got one one pass defended. Mine 64 tackles. Tackles as a team. Tackles in total. Two interceptions by by Phil Hoskins, 6'5", senior, out of Toledo. Free a defensive tackle. My goodness. And Kelvin Joseph, 6'1", sophomore, defensive back from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Both of these guys, two picks. This one is a questionable thing. This is shows, I say this is something that it is definitely... That is definitely the case of Georgia. As is definitely has to be either A, this is Georgia's defense, or B, this is the case of of Kentucky's offense. Because something like this, this shows defense actually was came to play. They at least limited this game to two scores because Georgia would, I believe this, Georgia probably would have put more points on this board. So I'm thinking that's is so this was a game where two defenses played a good game and kept kept both teams out of the end zone. But it looked like Georgia wanted more. Kentucky Sadmao did not look like they wanted to win this game. They just played very the offenses I played very, very flatly. It was clearly obvious in this game. So that is a big thing there. Kentucky the, I don't know if it's either A, you guys got an offensive scheme that is that A Grant has that is not working, or B, you guys are kind of mixed up on what your identity is as a football team. Something has changed soon. Uh, what is up next for what is actually up next for Kentucky? Actually, we might actually look into that real quick. Actually, let's look into that real quick. Kentucky, you luckily have enough. You got a lucky game. You got a gimme game against Vanderbilt. I'm certain you can put points on this board, on this team. If Ole Miss can put 54, I'm certain you can put like 30 at least. You guys got that. You got a free game. You got pretty much a tune-up game before you get, probably get cheek slapped by Alabama. So, good luck. So, I say to you guys, I wish you guys best of luck. But this one, you guys could have put more points on the board. More points on the board. You should have handled this better. Georgia, good game. It's a good win for you guys. It's a win. It's an ugly win. I'm surprised you guys won it. But won it. I was expecting more of a blowout. But you guys win like that. That is surprising. So... Georgia taking money and will run. Now let's get into Louisville and Virginia Tech. I didn't watch a lot much of the game, like the first half, much of the first half. 
I got a chance to watch the second half, though, and this one was, I got questions for, I say I got questions for, this one is a big one, as on, so Louisville hosted uh, Virginia Tech on Halloween, this time it was, it was black, it was the blackout game for, it was the blackout game. It's the blackout game, which is usually the game where Louisville usually wins in these scenarios. But this one, but this was a competitive Virginia Tech game team, competitive Virginia Tech team came to play. As the big thing going into this one was probably the biggest thing going forward, going on was was against what's between was the rushing. The two rushing, two running backs, the big running back battle between, between uh, Khalil Herbert, 5'9", senior, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Louisville running back Javian Hawkins, who would be, who would perform best in this scenario, in this, as in this battle of like a in the ACC supremacy as running back, and we end up. It turns out it would probably it would be Herbert because first play first play on first play on Virginia Tech's drive first drive in the game. Claire Herbert ran for twenty eight yards to Louisville's twenty five for first down and would run another three yards to Louisville's twenty two. Next we would have next we would have Hendon Hooker quarterback. Run for eight yards to Louis fourteen. Fumble on the play recovered by Jack Fago, but it was it was forced by Jack Fago for Louisville. Yet it was recovered by Hooker himself again for for first down. Glarbert would run eight yards to Louisville six. Next play, Hendon Hooker would run in himself for a touchdown, and gave seven nothing, seven nothing Hokies. Uh, after two punts, Louisville would get the ball free. Would get the ball. First play, Malik Cunningham passed the complete to Desperate Patrick to for 13 yards to Louis free except holding on, holding Louisville would actually holding Louisville 10 yard penalty. It would result in a first and seven because that next the next the 13 yard gain. So that would be a. First and next would be first and seven. Javon Hawkins would try would run. Javon Hawkins would run for no gain. Next play, Malik Hanningham drops back and would he has a man, but he plays play plays for the other team. Pass intercepted by Devin Taylor runs it to Louisville's free free free. And Virginia Tech would go back to work as. As Hen Hooker would find Trey Turner for a free two yard gain for a free two yard gain for a first down at Louisville's free yard line, and then Hogan Hooker would run it in himself for another free yard touchdown. 14 nothing, 14 nothing. Hokies next, Louisville. Next, we would have Louisville, Louisville, uh. On this next drive, trying to find a way of at least bounding back, trying to answer back. Malik Cunningham 
throws to Ian Pfeiffer for a 13-yard completion for a first down. That would end the first. We moved on to the second quarter. Next, Malik Cunningham pass complete to Marshawn Ford for 23 yards to the Virginia Tech 39 for a first down. First down, Javon Hawkins would run in for one yard first and 10 at Virginia Tech's 39. Javon Hawkins runs for one yard to the Bell at Virginia Tech's 38. Malik Cunningham would run for eight yards to Virginia Tech's 30. Javon Hawkins would run for one yard loss to the Virginia Tech's 31. On the next play, now, okay, this right here was the big one. This one, to me, it's 4 for 2 at your 31. You're down 14 nothing. How would you go about this? This. Would you A, get your field goal unit on, kick the ball, take three points, and depend on the events, get three points, move on. What does Louisville do? Now, we're going to go for it on 4 for 2, which is a great sign of rushing. Okay. Louisville would run for a one-yard loss. One-yard loss. Oh, there was a penalty for a legal block. What does Virginia Tech do? Decline it. We get the ball, and we are going to run. We're going to take it. We're going to try to take it to the house. What do you do? First play. Hendon Hooker pass complete to Trey Turner for 34 yards to Louisville 34 for first down. Claire Herbert would on the next play. Clarebert would run 28 for 28 yards to Louisville 6 for a first down. Four plays later, Hindenhucker would run in for himself once again for a one-yard touchdown for a one-yard score. For one-yard score. Virginia Tech's up 29 nothing. At this point, you normally, usually in this case scenario, you would pass the sticks. You will pass the sticks. Pass the sticks, my friends. Pass the six. You are past the sticks. Now Louisville tries to go for the rebuttal. For the rebuttal. First and six, Louisville's 42. Malik Cunningham would find 2-2 Adwell for 18-yard completion to Virginia Tech's 40 for a first down. Next play. Next play. Next play. Malik Cunningham finds us, gets a sign of the line, blast complete to Tutuawa for one yard completion to Virginia Tech's 39. Except holding on Louisville for 10 yards. Moves him to the 50 at the first and 20 at the 50. First and 20 at the 50. Malik Cunningham pass incomplete to Marshall. To uh, Marshall. Who is, who is that actually? She's. I might have to look at three. Might have to do a quick peek here. To Justin Marsh, Justin Marshall, Marshall pass complete. As complete, but the defensive this time defensive holding on. But this time, defensive holding on Virginia Tech. Moves the ball 10 yards to Virginia Tech 30. So, we're back at the 40 again. This time, first and 10 at Virginia's 30. Maurice Berkeley with a 5-yard run to, 30 for, to Virginia Tech's 35. Next play. Next play. Malik Cunningham would find Des Patrick, Fitzpatrick for 21 yards 
to Virginia Tech's 14-yard line for a first down. And on the very next play, Malik Cunningham pass complete to Marshawn Ford for 14 yards and a touchdown. Louisville would answer back and get the rebuttal saying, hey, we ain't done yet. We keeping the sticks. 21-7, Virginia Tech still. Still ahead. 21-36. for 21-7, Virginia Tech. After a punt, Louisville would get the ball back. First pass. Malik Cunningham. Louisville would get the ball back on their 18-yard line. Malik Cunningham passed incomplete to Ian Pfeiffer for... Now it got broken up by Shamari Connor. Next, Malik Cunningham would find... Would find... 2-2 Atwell, 2 yards to Louisville 20. Very next play, Javion Hawkins runs 20 yard for 20 yards to Louisville 40 for a first down. On the very next play, Malik Cunningham finds... Drops back and finds... Yeah, finds a man, and it... But he plays for every team. A pass is intercepted by Divine DeBello for Virginia Tech. And he will return five yards to the Louisville's 36. So that is... So two interceptions for Mikhail Cunningham. I'm... got I got questions myself. I'm trying to figure out what happened. I got questions for myself. Personally. At this point. Very first... Very next play... Lee Cunningham gets ends up getting sacked by Josh Fuga for a set, loss of five yards to Louisville's ten. After a Virginia Tech punt, Louisville first and then at their fifteen. Lee Cunningham gets sacked by Josh Fuga for a loss of five yards to Louisville's ten. Very next play, Malik Cunningham pass incomplete of Des Best Patrick, broken up by Alan Tisdale. On, on the very next play, Javon Hoggins says, You know what? I'm gonna put nowhere I gonna get a, get a seven. He runs his ball 90 yards for a touch for a touchdown. Ends the half with a two, ends half for Louisville. Louisville down seven at the end of the half. We move on to the third quarter as as we end up getting a 37 yard First and then at Virginia Tech's 37, Virginia Tech gets the ball started in the second half. Hinton-Lugger ends up getting sacked by Marlon Character for a loss of 7 at to Virginia Tech's 30. At the very next play, Hinton-Lugger finds James Mitchell for a 24-yard pass complete to Louisville 46 for a first down. Next, two plays later, Raheem Blackster runs 8 yards to Louisville's 33 for a first down. Uh, second and 5, Louisville's 41. Two plays later, Tavalon Robinson ran for runs for 28 yards to the one for first down as they were on a second and six at Louisville's 29. In the very next play, Trey Turner would run it in for a one-yard touchdown. Virginia Tech up 28-14. In the next play, Louisville would drive down the field. Would drive down the field. Lincoln Ram would find us this Patrick. For 25 yards to Louisville's 49 on a first down on a second five at Louisville's 24. 24. Lee Cunningham would find Drew 2-2 Atwell on a first and six at, at Virginia Tech's 47. To Virginia Tech's 37 for another first down. 
For him, first down, Malik Cunningham would find Tutu Atwell again for 15 yards at a second 11 at Virginia Tech's 38 yard line for a first number first down. And Malik Cunningham on the very next way would run it himself 10 yards to for another first down. And three plays later, and Louisville would get to to Virginia Tech's 13. And this was a this is the this part of the drive was a question I me. Which me and my father watch together, and we question this a lot. First and ten, Lee Cunningham would throw, throw pass, throws incomplete, makes pass incomplete. Next play, second and ten, Javion Hawkins runs for five yards to Virginia Tech's eight. Next, Lee Cunningham try, looks for Brain Smith, pass incomplete, and. This one is, you're down 28-14, and this is 4th and 5, Virginia Tech's 8. At this point, this is a 12th play drive, long drive. You're at the 8, you, you pretty much, at this point, should you go for the field goal, you're down, if you go for the field goal, you're down 11, you still have, your defense probably is rested, got a good rest after that long drive. You should reward him with a field goal. What does Louisville do? They decide to go for it. Why I do not know, and Lee Cunningham once again throws the ball, and he gets intercepted, and it goes, and it's on Virginia Tech's free yard line, and free yard line. What happens on that drive? Virginia Tech would drive down the field with a 14-yard, 14-play drive with 84 yards. And this was seven minutes, nine seconds long. Took out the rest of the third quarter. Rest of the third quarter. Uh, biggest plays of that. Biggest plays was was Hinton Hooker finding Nick Gallo for a 15-yard completion for a first down on a 32 at Virginia Tech's 24-yard line. Hinton Hooker finding Tavon Tavon Robinson for 11 yards to Virginia Tech's 48. On a first and ten, at a thirty-seven for a first down. The I can just go on. I can go on. And Hooker ran, runs for a eighteen yards to Louisville's nineteen for first down on the third on um, Louisville's thirty-seven. And for a quarter, first moving on to first quarter, Louisville went into a bend, but don't break on the red zone, holding them. To a three-yard field goal by Brian Johnson. So Virginia Tech's down 30, Virginia Tech's up 31 to 14, and Steph probably 31 to 17, which triggered, which is question. I ask why would you go for something like this? So Louisville gets the ball back, gets the ball down 10. Down, down 17. 17. 17. Lake Cunningham and David Rockins couldn't get anything for no, ran for no gain. And then Lake Cunningham would finally wake up and prove that he can play actual court as an actual quarterback. Found his confidence as a fucking quarterback. And this time. He finds Des Fitzpatrick for an eight-yard deep bomb, and it and runs and it goes for an eight-yard touchdown. 
Louisville is now down by 10, 31 to 21 for to 21. On the very next play, the very next play, next kick, Virginia Tech goes to the 31. Ends up covering a short field, gets a short field, and gets uh, down at the 30, Virginia Tech's 31 yard line. And Henry Hooker finds Hooker finds uh, Tavon Robinson to Hooker finds Tavon Robinson for a 42-yard gain to Louisville's 27 for a first down. Louisville would hold would hold on for free plays, and and it set up Brian Johnson for a 41-yard field goal. And now Virginia Tech is up 34-21. Louisville bounces back with an eight-play drive, 79 yards, 75 yards for 75 yards, and on this drive, Lee Cunningham finds Tutu Atwell for 15 yards for a touch for a first down, first down, first down at Louisville's 25. Next play, Lee Cunningham finds Justin Marshall for 11 yards to Virginia Tech's 49. For another first down. Very next play. Very next play. Louisville would move backwards as as Malik Cunningham ran one yard to Virginia Tech's 48, but was called for a legal formation. For an illegal formation, they move back five yards, and then another five yards as and would find. Nothing there again would find would move to a first and 20 on the 30 on the 40 on Louisville's 41 to let two incomplete after two incomplete passes. Lee Cunningham would find Desmond Patrick for a 17 yard completion to Virginia Dex 42, which set up a four and three. Louisville goes for it. This time they actually found they end up getting a fourth down conversion as Malik Cunningham would run for a 25-yard QB draw play to Virginia Tech 17 for a first down. Malik Cunningham would find would find Malik Cunningham for a four-yard completion to the 13, and then in the very next play, Maurice Berkeley would run for 13 yards for a touchdown, and Louisville would be is now down one score. Now how would now, if you are Louisville in this scenario, what do you do in this scenario on a following kickoff? Would you A, kick it away, try at least hold hold the defense, try at least slow this defense up, get them to punt, and then get the punt, and you can get the ball back and try to set one more scoring touchdown? Or should you go for an onside kick where you are mo- where most likely Virginia Tech is going to recover and get it within your own territory. Choose wisely. What does Louisville do? They go for an onside kick. And one score game with five minutes and 36 seconds left in the... With like less than six minutes left in the game. Louisville, it's not hard for y'all. Why go for something that complex for something that's... To me, I looked at this and I'm asking, why would you go for this... You practically just gave this team, a team like this, more an open field, more a great opening possession. 
good field position to start their drive. Why would you go for a why would you go for an awesome kick? I question that so much. And what does Louisville do? How does Louisville handle this? Well, this time Louisville would let's see. First play, and Hooker ran for four yards to Virginia Tech's 44. 44. Offensive hold, but there was a holding on the offense. Moves him to the 46. Virginia Tech's 46. Uh, Hendon Hooker would run for 13 yards to Louisville's 41. Uh, on the next play, on a second and free, Clear Herbert would run two yards to Louisville's 39 for a first down. Now that means third and short. It's third and short. But, nope, somehow a little push, a little shoving happened, and it ended up giving a person, ends up being a personal foul on on Louisville, to the, which ends up being 15 yards, costing them 15 yards, and moved them, moved Virginia Tech to Louisville's 24. Next, Clear Herbert would. Would get stopped for no gain, but Clear Herbert says, You can stop me once, but you ain't stopping me again. As he ran 24 yards for a number touchdown, and Hendon Hooker would find Trey Turner for the two point conversion. Virginia Tech is now up 42 to 28, thanks to an offside onside kick recovery by Louisville. That Louisville side do instead of kicking the ball away, which is what you should do, and should, I believe should have been happened. Should have happened at that point in time, but that's me. Personally me. So, Louisville gets the ball back to get this on drive. On drive. Gets the ball back. They start at the 20, Louisville 24. For Malik Cunningham. Passing first play. Malik Cunningham passing to Javon Hawkins. Next play. Cunningham to Hawkins again for seven yards to Louisville's 31. And Lee Cunningham pass to complete to Jamie Hawkins again for four, four yards to Louisville's 35 for a first down. Again, Lee Cunningham would throw four straight passes in this one. Next play, Lee Cunningham would find Brain. This time would find Brain Smith for 11 yards to Louisville's 46 for a first down. Lee Cunningham would run the ball himself 21 yards to Virginia Tech's 33 for a first down. Number first down. Next play, Javon Hawkins run run for six yards. Virginia X twenty seven. Next play, pass complete to Javon Malik Cunningham to Hawkins. Cunningham to Hawkins for seven yards to Virginia X twenty for another first down. For a first down, Lee Cunningham would find two to Atwell for four yards to Virginia X sixteen. One next second and six. Malik Cunningham pass incomplete to Elizabeth Patrick. And first, you don't see. Try, try again. Cunningham again passing incomplete. And on a fourth and six, last chance for Louisville. Pretty much, last chance for Louisville. And first, you don't see. Try, try again. Malik Cunningham this time finds Javion Hawkins, 16 yards for a touchdown. Louisville would be down 42-35. Last chance for him. They go for an onside kick, and Virginia Tech would recover it. Or recover. And that would be your ball game. Louisville loses a close one. Would lose in a close one. 42-35 over a game Virginia Tech team. 
I question to me big thing is about it is Blake Cunningham 23 out of 35 for 350 yards three touchdowns yet for yet free picks Javon Hawkins 17 carries 129 yards one touchdown and receiving wise five reception 42 yards and a touchdown a uh, big big uh big player of this one Desmond Patrick five Receptions, 158 yards, and a touchdown. 82-yard touchdown. Anyone-yard touchdown. Big part, uh, to Awa with eight receptions, 78 yards total. Zero-yard total. Now, this is the thing about Louisville is why would you go by... There's two big things I question. Number one was the fourth down is going for it on fourth down when you are playing against a team like Virginia Tech, usually in a case scenario in this team, that is a sign. That was greediness in and of itself. I get it. You're at the eight. You need to score a touchdown. You need to bounce back with touchdowns. But listen, it, in a game like this, in most games like this, you go it. You kick the field goal no matter what in that scenario. Wherever you're on the free, wherever you're on the one, wherever you are, at that point in the game, you should just go for the field goal. You you took twelve. It was a twelve play drive. You took not seven minutes of game clock. Seven minutes of game clock. You pretty much did your part. Kick the extra. Kick the field goal. Get the points. You gave the off your defense fresher legs. They now have momentum. They pretty much now got momentum. Like, okay, we're down. We're not. We're down by eleven. We're just. We just need to get. To, we gotta at least bounce back. We gotta make a play or a stand or something to at least get us back in this. We can get back in this instead of you. Instead of kicking a field goal, you pretty much gave the ball back to Virginia Tech at the free. And what happened? They still drove down the field. Up two scores still. Why would you go for that? Why would you go for it on fourth down? That is something I question a lot about that. The next thing is six minutes. You have less than six minutes in this game left. You score a touchdown. You're down one score. The biggest question is, why would you go for an onside kick? You're down one score on an onside kick with less than six minutes left in that game. Why would you go for an onside kick in that scenario? Knowing the fact that practically 99% of the time, most of these onside kicks are going to be recovered by Clint, by the op, by your opponents. Why would you still go for it? Instead of kicking it away, getting either a touchback, getting possibly a touchback, and pretty much make them drive down the field, instead you just score the touchdown. You pretty much give the offense a chance, more bigger shot at momentum, and okay, we have them in their own, more in their own territory. They got to drive at least 75 yards. We can stop them. To either a field goal or a touchdown, and we have a chance to get the ball back 
and you can tie this game up. Instead, you decided to give this team better field positioning. The good thing is on that drive, you... Yes, the good thing is you held them to a field goal, but you still gave yourself... A, you still could have tied this game up. There might have been a better chance of you winning this game. You pretty much screwed yourself. That's what you did, Louisville. Y'all screwed yourselves and this game by making decisions like that. I, I'm just saying, Louisville, you got you got to be better than this. Like, Louisville, you got to be better than this. You can't make decisions, decisions like this. I don't know if it's the special team coordinator that made the decision or, like, the offensive coordinator or who Scott Sarville or whatever. Decisions like that shouldn't be made. I don't know if you guys are going by these analytic things. Listen, fuck the analytics. Go for common sense. Analytics, if you're going for analytics in a football game, listen to me. That's stupid. Use your common sense. You, if you're on a fourth and goal, you are pretty much down two scores. This is a game team who at one point in the season, week the, the week before, was ranked in the top 25 who is also known to be a dark horse contender in the ACC. Projected to be a dark horse. This is a competitive team. You should go with the common sense thing. Kick a field goal even if even if you're down two scores or something. Kick the field goal. You get kick the ball away when you have a one score game. And when, if you are tied or be down one score, like within like a minute left, then kick the onside field goal. This was a mistake through and through. Louisville cost themselves this game. You, Louisville cost themselves the game. Louisville, you guys need to get that shit straightened out. Like, that is somehow, that's stupid plays. And two, Louisville, look. Look, you need to stop taking people to Jewish Hospital here. Okay, I get you guys own Jewish Hospital, but damn it, you guys can't do this to all of us, Louisville fans. And understand, we need some of these beds for for COVID patients. Okay, so please stop. Okay, get better in this. All right, we actually got well, we got through that quickly. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we will be talking about the whole Kanye West situation, and we will talk also talk about the whole, uh, I think we'll talk about the Kanye situation real quick, give a quick breakdown of it, and then we're about to head on out, and then we're almost done. You guys are watching episode number 16 of J Money Podcast, the J Money Talks Podcast on SoundCloud and YouTube. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We are back with episode number 16 of the Money Talks podcast. We are going to move on to probably next subject. The next subject we're going to talk about, and this is the last subject of the day. This is a big one, and this one is about probably what happened about a new that happened last week. Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience had Kanye West on... Uh, it was a Kanye West uh, episode. Uh, Joe Rogan ended up talking to him 
And this was, I believe, three hours long. I think it was three hours long, I think. So I actually, because if you're actually wondering, like, did I watch this interview? Yes. Uh, it's about two hours long. The biggest thing in there. So, these are my, my biggest things about the whole Kanye thing. Uh, as I was listening to it. And let's try and at least keep up listening slash watching while I'm rendering while I'm rendering out and doing some edits to this entire video to the video portion of the podcast and the audio. Here's the thing: some people don't know audio doesn't take too long. The big question is the the video takes a while to render and and process and upload. So. Yeah, it takes a while. It's a process, my friends. Let's just say that. And I'm going through, I'm listening through this entire interview. And the big thing I noticed in this whole Kanye thing is, this is a man, the stuff he's saying, he has ideas. It's, it's one thing is, he the recent stuff talking about him recently being like, you know, all this like stuff like religion stuff and all this stuff. Reason why he wanted to run for president, and one thing is he has plans for a lot of other countries and using his wealth and influence. And that is something I, one thing I took from it was, okay. And it was a lot of things about the fashion and all this stuff. Like him not needing his meds. Because it doesn't help with... It ruins his like drive and his creative mindset. And other things. One of the things that he was talking about was trying to recreate... One of the biggest things I heard was him trying to like... Reconceptualize the idea of like how church is presented in a way especially like in terms of like gospel music well like gospel music which is like having like thousands having thousands of people attend this like community and then have this like crazy mega church where there's choir like a hundred thousand people and it's it's very interesting um which is very interesting if you got a hundred thousand people harmonizing and singing gospel songs. That is, I mean, don't get me wrong. That is, that sounds amazing. That sounds powerful. Um, that's one thing is it looks like. So I guess after his I this stuff with the whole COVID thing of him. Uh, one of the things is him and his stuff about this recent stuff with the media. Him is partnered with Trump and everything. His stuff about him, why he's running for president, everyone's saying, and all this other stuff. It is that was something that is questionable. I never think it was about him wondering why did he wait this late to for to like be, be on the ballot. One of these, he says that. COVID played a role in that process, like the whole pandemic stuff played a role in it. Um, 
another big thing that Joe asked was about some of the stuff like in terms of like the foreign policy and some of the other stuff that was going on. And I think Connie Harley had a response to it. Like there was a point he was just silent, like stood silent and he just couldn't process a fight that like he was there for like a, it was like a, it was a big 30 second pause. Like, like he had like, like he had a moment of like realization, like realized either a, I, oh, how do I, how would I approach this? If I ever have to deal with like a foreign country stepping up or, you know, trying to do some fuck shit. How do I handle that? Should I go with handle this with war? Do I go try to handle this peacefully and then start with military intervention? Like what? How do I approach that situation? That was something I think I kind of took it like that, but I think there was something he would have said something different. But a big part of it was the whole thing involving Kanye. Uh, was him doing a lot of this stuff? I think one of these is helping with a comedian in Haiti. And, like, all these other things. Things. And, like, a big part I got from the big thing was him saying the media kind of made him his enemy. Which, I can say some parts of it is true because, let's be honest, Kanye's relationship with media is pretty much very, uh, very, uh... A conflicted relationship. So I can understand him. In that sense of media. And him. Not getting along. And they kind of spun some stuff around this. Some, spun some things around. Let me fix this. So I can understand Kanye. In the sense of. Him. Not wanting to work. With, uh, with them. And it is a big thing. I believe Kanye. Actually, I think Kanye has ideas, positive ideas and aspirations. And one of the things he wants to do is his idea of trying to be, of writing for president was he wants to at least, look, I would not try to run a country like a business or something like this, I'm not, I want to handle this, I just want to work on trying to find a way of spreading, like, doing this in, like, a more spiritual, like, let's try to build love, build, rebuild this country through love and strength, and with, like, I say, with some Christian morals, which I, I can understand, but, my friend, you gotta understand, there's a difference, you can't, you gotta separate church and state, that's why we have that law in the first place, for stuff like this, you can't bring church and state together. It's not gonna work. But I, I mean, I say this: he does have ideas, positive ideas. He does say he wants to do stuff all around the world, like with some international aspirations. Some stuff is Christianity, like saying like smaller community, these smaller helpful communities in like Africa, Haiti, and like. Uh, and like and stuff like that. If that is true, and he's doing this stuff, a all power to you there. But to me, my thing is this: the Kanye is at that point is like 
Kanye, listen, I get what you're trying to do. It sounds positive, but let's be honest. You probably are, in my opinion, a self-deluded motherfucker. You are... You are running with little to no ideas on how to handle some of the really serious shit that's going on here. There's more serious stuff besides we we have to talk about and fix. I don't know what you really got. I get you have an idea, you have a good heart in mind, but dude, focus on helping out. Like if you want to help out, like help build communities like that, and you want to help with help with stuff like that. Do that. You do whatever you want to do. If you do whatever you want to do, help whatever you want to do. But being present, dude, I don't. I now think he's splitting the pop. The I'm not thinking he's trying to split the vote, the black vote or something, or split the popper vote or helping Trump or anything. Because he's kind of saying he's wasn't trying to do that. It doesn't sound like he's trying to do that. But that is something I question, and uh, I can't uh, deny it there. Okay. And that's something I just, I don't have much to say. I say it's Kanye, the whole Kanye thing is like, he has a good heart, but some stuff is not going to work. It just isn't going to work. So, Kanye, I'm sorry, but you're not going to win in that war. That I don't, I just can't. But, um, yeah, that's about it, y'all. I think it's about time we wrap this up, time to head on out. I think we got one last thing, I guess the only thing left to talk about is, in less than 12 hours, Ravens take on, my Ravens take on them Steelers. I'm about to take uh, this bitch off. And. Because I now. I got Instead of wrecking. This black and yellow. Now I got to get ready. To rock. That black and purple. So. I got to go. Head. I need to get some sleep. Very soon. First I got to render this bitch out. And this audio. So. Thank you guys very much for watching. The Jamie Talks podcast. This has been episode 16 of the podcast. Thank you guys very much for watching. Only thing I can say is, Ina Vich, I am actually wearing this Halloween costume. The good thing is, it's a dang 12 week. I don't believe I would have fit in this 12 weeks ago. I just finished my 12 week week cut, and your boy went from 294 when we started to 274 today, this L this morning. 274 and I am so in 12 weeks lost 20 lost 20 pounds total I feel great about that losing 20 pounds I am happy it's I feel great about it it made me happy that makes me happy uh if anyone showed any support throughout that uh thank you guys very much for anything for uh thank you guys just so very much I greatly appreciate it. Uh, once again, we're going to go ahead and uh, head on down. We're going to go ahead and get done with everything. We got some business to take care of. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for watching. 
We are. It's episode 16 of J Money Talks Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. I think we might do. We'll have a normal episode on the 7th. But I think I might have a little special. I might do a birthday special one. And I think this one. I think I'm going to try to do this one. I think this one. I think we might do one. Probably just with my family. Just me, my sister, my dad, all three of us sitting down. And we all just do the podcast, do the episode together. Just sit down and do the episode together. And we just all chat it up. Maybe have a couple drinks, have some food. Just all get together. Alright. I think we'll do that. So, yeah. We'll be right back, guys. We'll be right back, guys. We're going to be celebrating. For me, I'm going to be celebrating my 24th birthday in five in less than five days so i think that my birthday is on friday so i think we might do a special one just for the family you know a birthday special that might be that might be something so i'll let you guys know in the next coming days so until then we're gonna go ahead and cancel out i have been your host jay money and thank you guys once again for watching episode number 16 of the jay money talks podcast Thank you guys very much for watching. Hope to see you guys next time. Sound loud. And again, everyone, leave a like for this. Share this with your friends if they are interested in watching something new. We try, I mostly keep stuff serious, but I'm probably going to try at least have fun. Try to keep them, keep stuff loose and try to keep stuff a little bit more looser. Try and at least have more fun with them. As I'm planning on doing with more of these podcasts in the future. Once again, thank you for watching. We'll be back with more of this podcast coming up tomorrow. Until then, I'm your host, Jay Money. Thank you for watching. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.